2: Well, welcome back, Yeah, It seems like the uh, weeks just get longer and longer. <laughs> Maybe it's just uh, just me, but I guess that's a good thing because I hear a lot of people, especially my age now, talking about how quickly you know time goes by. And I'm like, wow, the uh, huh? That's interesting. Seems to uh, have slowed down a little bit anyway over the last couple of years, and. Uh, not sure exactly why that's happening, but hey, I'll I'll take it. And it, uh, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about um, basically indexing. You know, you hear like the index funds are the way to go, and I I agree uh, for a large portion of the population. Um, I use it extensively in my own um, investments and for those of my clients, and I think it makes a it's a great idea. So you're getting closer to retirement age, you know, you typically want to take down some of the risk somewhat that you're taking in the portfolios, and I know nobody wants to give us the return, and I was researching some stuff. Uh, It was a money manager that I had been familiar with um, a long time ago, and uh, somebody sent me some material on it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, Wow. There's a, uh, I don't know, uh, they are all they always want to put their best foot forward. Uh, but when you omit stuff, and, and in other words, you're not telling the whole story, that that just kills me. Uh, I mean, I, I, the business is hard enough. You don't need to be out there stretching tails. And this is, it, you know, it's a high level. The guy manages billions of dollars putting this paperwork out there and, you know, doesn't tell anybody that he had an old firm that he shut down and opened a new one and transferred funds over so he could start his track record over again. The, uh that's you know that's just not cool. And uh, anyway, <laughs> that it. it it bothers me because uh, and I get it. You know, almost every active portfolio manager will go through a period where they where they underperform for an ex. Extremely long time period underperform the uh, um, major indexes. You know, so if you're a technology fund, uh, you're probably going to be compared to Nasdaq. Nasdaq has a tendency to beat about nine out of ten funds in that space. If you're a, a large company fund, you're going to be compared to the S and P 500. The S and P 500 has a tendency to beat about nine out of ten. Uh, funds in that space, particularly with the low level of expense ratios on the ones that I'm using. And uh, the other thing is that they're extremely tax efficient. So if you've got a taxable account, the vast majority of those gains are not going to be taxed until you decide to sell shares in the fund. So you have a lot more control over that. And, And for the vast majority of people, but there's a little bit of planning, you can make sure that those distributions that you might be taking, if you need to start supplementing your retirement income, um, you can make sure that those are going to be taxed at long-term capital gains rates in a large number of the the cases or circumstances. And everybody's a little bit different. And uh, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, we're not a one-size-fits-all shop. In fact, I don't have two portfolios that are identical, because people have different um, objectives with what they're trying to do. And uh, uh, it is what's really funny is that <laughs> between a man and a wife, they come in and don't really talk a whole lot about finances. That Those are interesting conversations. I didn't realize I was going to have to be a psychologist <laughs> when I started working in this industry. And it's fine. Uh, You know, and uh, um, I I like it, uh, but it is different. People have different views, uh, different opinion. You know, it was when I was growing up, uh, a lot of adults would always say, hey, listen, if you want to get along with people, don't ever mention politics or religion. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to add one to that. Don't ever add money or investing because people have their own opinion and everybody's got their own risk tolerance. And that, by the way, is going to be the thing that guides your or should be guiding what you're investing in is how much tolerance for risk you have. And when I have, you know, when you focus just on the returns, but you're not looking at how much risk you take, that's great. But you know what? the higher-performing funds are almost always the ones with the highest amount of fluctuation. And there's no such thing. There's there's never been a fund that's had a 20-year average of better than 7% a year without having one or two declines of 40% or more. There's not one. At least not in the Morningstar database that they charge me $20,000 a year to access. <laughs> It's got every fun that's ever existed back the, in, uh Inception. So, uh, you know, you just have to – got to prepare yourself. And that's one of the reasons I'm, um, that I like to work the way that I do. I like to disclose, disclose everything. You know? there, there's actually nothing to hide anymore. Uh, if you're really determined, you can find out just about anything you need to know financially. Uh, It might take you a while, and actually, it will take you a while, especially if you're new and especially if you don't do it every day. There's an awful lot of work that goes into just looking up one particular track record. And incidentally, try to look up the stocks that make up those funds. Um, That takes a while. I have to get on Edgar Online. I haven't done this for a long time, but Edgar Online is a website that's put out by the SEC and all the any any mutual fund um, or managed fund that's available to the public has to file what their holdings are, and they have to file all of them. By the way, so you can find that out if you want to take that kind of time. It is time consuming. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, one of the things I, I kind of like about today is that if you really want to take the kind of time it takes to do this stuff, you can do. Anybody can do it. Uh, it's just, do you really have that kind of time? And I remember laughing a long time ago. I read something that Warren Buffett had written, or, or actually was quoted on. He had uh, been doing an interview with, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, and they were talking about what a great track record he had and all that. And he basically he said, well, anybody can do it. They just have to want to put in the kind of time that it would take to do all this. And then they have to have the patience. And... <clears throat> And basically, what he described was a personality profile. You have to be extremely calm in the face of maximum stress. (laughs) Because when you see, if you were invested 100% in stocks, which I don't know of of too many people that are. I have a couple that are. But uh, that's because they have so much money that even if they got cut in half, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to spend it. Uh, Not with their lifestyle. (laughs) And and that's fine, you know, that all, by all means, go ahead and do that. You'll make more money that way, hopefully. You may not make much money for a uh, four- or five-year time period. It could be as long as 10 years. And the vast majority of funds that had outperformed uh, the stock market, the S&P 500, uh, over its entire lifetime, had had four- to five-year periods where they didn't just underperform by a little. It was a lot. So if you didn't know exactly what those guys were doing and why they were doing it, the the goal is to to maximize the returns on your investments. Um, And a lot of them like to try to add to that to minimize taxes as well. And if you didn't know that you would underperform for fairly long time periods because the best it's ever been has not been able to do that. So the chances of you being able to do that, I don't know how many people are on the planet, like six, seven billion, somewhere in that neighborhood. So your chances are one in six or seven billion, <laughs> because nobody else has been able to do it yet. And uh, and there's some time period, uh, and there's some really sophisticated stuff that you know like you're doing options on futures contracts and then all that kind of stuff. Um, believe me, that is a um, that is not a cakewalk. And the people that are doing that kind of stuff, the people that are running the computers that that basically are, are take that took the job of the old market makers, yeah. Those guys, that that's not skill. Being able to take an order at one price and execute it at a higher price, and then give it to the client and keep the difference there, um, which is basically what market makers do. Or if they're going to sell it, they'll go out and uh, sell it. They uh, they sell it at the higher price, take the lower take a lower price on it more often than not. And that's what they fill the order at it, and they get to keep that profit. So you got to have big bucks. To be able to do that. And by the way, now it comes down to fractions of a penny. That's how much they're making. Still not a bad business when you're doing a, a couple billion shares a day, right? <laughs> so all that stuff, is it's fine and dandy. Um, it's all going on behind the scenes. Uh, it goes on more today than it has ever in my career because you've got these things called exchange-traded funds, which I like a lot. The expenses are really low there are tax advantages to using them uh, there are, if you can think of an idea of what you would like to do there's probably a, multiple funds out there that are trying to do the same thing so you don't have to do it yourself anymore uh, that that's pretty nice uh, but you know this is the stock market I'm just looking at the uh, mid cap index which has been one of the if you go back for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, the uh, mid-cap index itself has beaten the S&P 500 by a fairly wide margin. And uh, why? Because the better times to buy Microsoft and Google and Intel was when they were the medium-sized companies growing really fast, going on to larger companies at some point in time. That makes sense? The smaller you are in... And, and Wow, if you'd have been able to really forecast the future with a high degree of accuracy, which, by the way, I have a crystal ball in my office. Um, You're welcome to try to use it. It's never worked for me. (laughs) It's there kind of as a joke. Yeah. It is also kind of funny because I used to set it like right in the front of my desk. And it was making people nervous when they came in for an appointment. So I moved it back in the corner. (laughs) That was hilarious. Um, I think it was anyway, but looked at the thing a million times, you know what all I see is? Uh, Yeah. Blast. That's it. (laughs) So not very helpful. But what is helpful is you can kind of look at the past. You can see what has worked well in the past. I wouldn't stop there. And that's the problem with the vast majority of um, investors. They look at the past and that's it. All right. You look at the past, you want to know why something moved the way it did. Now you're going to have to dig. And you're going to have to dig deep, and there's a lot of effort involved. But I'm going to sum this up for you. In the long run, stock prices have a tendency to keep up with the growth in sales that the company experiences. Okay? So now all you have to do is predict the future with a high de- degree of accuracy on how much in sales the company is going to do. <laughs> I know Really difficult. So, your better bet, as far as I'm concerned, is to look at the funds that are looking at those types of things that are using those. They call them factors. Okay. So, let's get one that's got a factor of the sales are in the top, growing in the top 10% or growing 10% or more. There's a bunch of them out there like that. So, but you want to make sure that the sales are growing, Uh, I think. You don't have to use that, by the way. You can just do size. Okay, we want the biggest companies, or we want the companies that are falling in the, uh, the middle section of the stock market. Uh, and uh, forget the sales. We just want those whose share prices are, have moved up or are going up in the top, uh, oh, some percentage, it depends on the fund itself, of its category. And that, that's a really good, that's actually the S&P 500. I just described it. And the NASDAQ 100. Yeah, the Dow is the only funky index out there. It's uh, way too complicated for me to explain on the radio. But uh, anyway, uh, the bottom line is these those funds are run the way they're run, and it's all math. And the math makes sense. You know, It makes sense that a company whose sales are rising in the top 10% of all stocks should probably be up in the top 10% or so. Of the uh, companies that are in that index that are investable, it just makes common sense. But not until somebody tells you that, <laughs> because what most people look at is their their research begins and ends with performance, not in not why they perform. And if you don't know why, that is a rough way to invest. That is incredibly difficult because. You're just looking at what it's done in the past and hoping that that's going to happen again in the future. And if you don't look at each year, uh, if you don't know why that performance has been so good, uh, you won't be able to tell the difference between a portfolio manager who just got lucky and someone who's working within a framework, uh, a decision-making process that has something more than emotion. And emotions, by the way, are stoked heavily by share prices that go up a lot. In a short time period, that gets people extremely excited. So uh, again, when you start bringing in the emotion, that's what starts making it really hard. And I got a few seconds before i got to take a commercial break here. So when we come back, this is one of the reasons that I like to talk about these uh, fixed index annuities. They offer returns that are really high, very difficult to manage on your own, especially in the stock market. So I'm going to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here. Be back after these messages. I got
0: that good new smile on my face. I got that feeling that the world can't erase. There ain't a single
2: day I let go to waste. I got that good new smile on my face. I
3: got that beat. Join the Cleveland Orchestra for an evening of Beethoven and Haydn. The sounds of the countryside come to life in Mandel Concert Hall with Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. Beethoven's Pastoral, February 22nd through
1: 25th at Severance. Tickets at clevelandorchestra.com.
3: Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing, the important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem walla doodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at Wyatt Works, that's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower in the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut who likes cold plunging but most of us want that hot water so when you call why it works for a broken water heater we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day we'll even walla a it by taking away your old one and clean it up like we've never been there just call why it works and consider it done
1: You've heard the saying, all good things come to an end. Well, not always. Sometimes they just take a break. That's what's happening with our Lady of the Wayside's car donation program after 24 years and 96,000 rides donated. Pretty amazing. Here's the story. The car lot's owners sold the property, making it impossible for car donations to be accepted at this time. According to the Wayside CEO Terry Davis, the next right steps will be determined and communicated soon. So stay tuned. In the meantime, Terry and the entire team at The Wayside thank you for your continued support of the 450 individuals with developmental disabilities in The Wayside's care. And please take note, you can still support them by making a donation at thewayside.org.
2: Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you'd like to reach out, uh, or just if you'd like me to reach out, just go to my website. Um, there is a form there you can fill out. Uh, incidentally, I, I have to apologize because you know, over the pandemic, a lot of the technology companies out there, um, some of the really big ones, have had an incredible, incredibly difficult time keeping everything up and running all the time. So. A lot of the emails that I'm getting, I've noticed the dates when they were originally sent. And sometimes it's two or three weeks away before it showed up actually on our uh, email servers. And uh, we use the biggest in our industry and the most expensive, by the way. (laughs) So we were expecting, you know, something a little better than that. But uh, wow, I mean, it's just I can't imagine the difficulty that this has caused a lot of small businesses over the last two or three years. And I I feel their pain because we're going through it all the time. These vendors that provide services uh, to businesses online have had a really tough time. And I'm not even sure what it is. I I hate to even speculate about it, but uh, just if it's been taking a little bit longer to get things done, it's not just you. Uh, It's, everybody. So anyway, having said that, and this is one of the reasons when you get close to retirement, you'd like to have a pretty good idea uh, of what you may be able to expect. Now, you're going to have to estimate some of it. You, I I guess you wouldn't have to. You could just take a, uh, like when you take a, a fixed annuity, the reason it's called fixed is because you take it, You sign up for the rate that you're going to get, and then it stays there fixed. Now, some of them will only guarantee that fixed rate. It's a fixed one year, or a fixed three year, or a five year, or a ten year. Those are the most common one, three, five, uh, and ten. Some people are coming up with seven now, just to give you another option to have to ponder. But you could lock that rate in, or you could go lifetime. So if you're going to do this, this is going to be for your lifetime. And the one I'm going to talk about right now is a lifetime income. Typically, the lifetime incomes uh, are the, some of the highest returns that they offer. Not always, but you know, most cases, it's going to be lifetime income is going to be higher than what you get for a shorter term. So I'm just looking at the one. This is my favorite. This one I have uh, invested for a big portion of my fixed income. And uh, not all of it. I still have a uh, uh, fund I really like that's held up really well, a knock on wood. But I don't think I really have to knock on wood for this because there are a couple of them that I used. Um, one of them just super short term treasury, that's doing very well. The other is the, uh, an actively managed exchange traded fund in the fixed income space. Now, when I first started using this one, that was very rare. In fact, There still aren't very many of those. And Fidelity is one of the biggest fixed income managers on the planet. They're the ones that manage this thing. I'm really happy with it. I'm not allowed to talk about the symbol or the performance on my radio show. Uh, Compliance does not like that kind of stuff. (laughs) So I can tell you, if you you want to know about it, I can send you some information on it. We can have a little five-minute phone call. But I really like it a lot. Its yield is over 5% right now. That's the uh, current yield, the SEC yield is probably five point four. Uh, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I can explain it to you on the phone uh, or shoot you an email. But that's a pretty—that's a really good rate, okay? So, but here's the thing: those rates are relatively short term, and this is the message that I wanted to get out today. And, and you'll hear it again in the, in the next few because this is not going to be go away uh, anytime real soon. But, right, they're already talking about lowering rates again. And it's kind of, oh, man, yeah, that is a bummer. Um, because I know an awful lot of people who locked in a one- or two-year CD, and that CD is not going to come due until if they start lowering rates rates when they say they're going to, um, rate, they're going to get that CD come due, and the rate's going to be a lot lower. So, And, by the way, that's one that the rates on it will Actually, drop too. They'll just kind of they kind of go down when the market goes down, go up when the market goes up. It's short term, and they're always rebalancing and readjusting. And they have the ability to increase or decrease uh, the amount of risk they're taking. Um, they they don't invest in anything that's their investment grade, by the way. But those things still still they still move quite a bit, just not as much as a thirty year government bond would. So, a 30 year government bond sounds really safe. Um, you should see how the prices fluctuate on those things. Holy cow. They make the stock market look calm sometimes. So, you got to be careful. This is my point. You got to be careful with fixed income bonds. And there are, everybody has access to some super sophisticated products. They just don't know that they're super sophisticated. They typically just look at, well, how much does it pay? Well, if that's all you needed to know, and by the way, you're going to find out over the next three or four years, they're going to be you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth, I promise you, over the fixed income market. That's one of the reasons that I like this one. I'm just looking at this and I'm like, okay, but I'm 67. That's seven years from now. For every $100,000 I have invested they're going to guarantee a lifetime income. That's when full Social Security kicks in, and I don't get penalized for anything. That I wouldn't get penalized. You don't get them penalized for the, the uh, unearned income. But if you're still working at 60, uh, I'm sorry, at 62, you decide to take Social Security early, you're going to get penalized and have to give a lot of it back. So there's some um, things that you can do around that. I'll have to do that on another show. But uh, there's not a lot. Uh, you, you can't really make a whole lot of money until you f- until you are full retirement age, which is now 67. Remember when it used to be 65? Um, yeah, the uh, that crept up a couple of years. My luck, it'll be 70 by the time I get there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, at at 67, you can make as much money as you want at work. So if you have a job, you know, keep working. I'm telling you, don't retire fully. That's what I like about my job. The, uh, I don't ever have to retire. And I'll just, go you know, slow down. <laughs> and uh, so don't retire. People that don't retire and do nothing, I should say. If you're going to retire, take the job that you always wanted to have. But, you know, I always wished that I could afford to work at Lowe's. Um, I just like the way that that operation is run. My my dad and my grandfather were both carpenters, so I grew up going to work with them in the summers, and uh, I just really love that. I love tools, so that's where I would really love to be able to work, but I can't afford to go to work there because they don't <laughs> they don't pay anything. So uh, that's my dream job is to go in and 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 only work fifteen to twenty hours a week at Lowe's during retirement, and may you know I I will actually spend more than I earn. On the tools that I end up taking home and probably having to sell on eBay <laughs> because of the lack of use in them. But uh, anyway, long story short, um, well, actually, not long story short, getting back to what I was talking about. So if I put $100,000 in today and I, I'm 60 years old and at 67, I want to take an income from it, the guaranteed income is $11,407. That's a lot. To guarantee that at $100,000 put in today that they're going to guarantee 11407 bucks. that's a lot. I mean, that, that's, to, to be able to guarantee that that's going to be there for the rest of my life, uh, and if I die and there's still money left, they're going to refund the balance to my beneficiary. That's a pretty good deal. That's a really good deal. Now, having said that, it's different. If I wait another year, it goes to twelve thousand five hundred twelve bucks. If I wait another year, it goes to thirteen thousand six hundred sixty nine dollars. And if I wait all the way until I'm seventy, it goes to fourteen thousand nine hundred thirty one. So that's a that's a big deal. Now, again, if you want to see this, if you want to put your own numbers in there, or put your own age and uh, see how much money you might be able to generate just hit me up with a phone call or an uh, yeah hit me up with a phone call in the office or you can send an email fill at Billington capital but see, these are uh this is a very good deal for today's environment now it'll change now, when I bought my first one it was uh the rates were lower, but you know what I'm still not upset because it's still higher than what I could get in bonds or CDs, and now the interest rates in bonds and CDs are going down. But my rate's not going to go down. Uh, the, the reason that they have the term fixed in the annuity is because it's fixed. The only way the insurance company can get out from underpaying me what they agreed to is if I let them off the hook. Okay? And I'm pretty sure they're not going to ask me to do that, because uh, nationwide, it's been around for a very long time. Have a strong, extremely strong ratings. Uh, I've just been—I've been doing business with this company for over thirty years, and they're well over a hundred years old. And uh, they've got a bunch of different divisions. That's the other thing. When you're, when I compare them to the other insurance companies that are out there, there are some that are pretty close as far as what they might uh, guarantee down the road, but the other companies, I'm just not as—I uh, uh, just don't have as much confidence in last time the market really had a, a rough time, 2008. So one of those huge companies went, had to go belly up. They don't, and when insurance companies go belly up, it typically other insurance companies come in and buy their business and keep running it. Um, the investors had to take a hit on that. They didn't lose all their money, thank goodness. Um, but they had to take a hit and didn't get as much as they thought they were going to. And then they were offered rates that were lower than the rates that, that caused the company all the problems to begin with. So I'd like to avoid that if possible. Um, everything that I'm looking at as far as um, economically, you know, there's always going to be, there's always risk. I don't care what you're doing. There, there's, there's risk of getting out of the bed in the morning. So some companies are taking more risk than others. You're hoping that the rating agencies that are going out there and looking at the portfolios are doing a good job so that you can go with those that have the lower risk of uh, having problems. And uh, that's one of the reasons that treasuries are so um, valued by so many people is those are backed by the the federal government who owns their own printing presses (laughs) and can literally just print the money and hand it to you. Uh, hopefully it never gets to that because inflation would be, who knows what it would be, be over 100% a year if they started doing something like that. The, uh, uh and I don't think that that's, um, that really is not going to happen. Um, I could see inflation rates staying, right? They're starting, to, supposedly they're starting to come back down now. And, uh, if they do start to come back down, the rates, these fixed rates being as high as they are, they just raise them. Um, they may end up going down a little bit more, um, or closer to the ones that uh, where I purchased mine. I'm still not ups- I'm not upset by the way that rates are higher. That somebody could come in, get a higher rate than I got when I bought mine. It doesn't make me upset at all. I couldn't get you. I still can't get a CD that's going to match mine. And uh, you know that's just uh, that's just how it works. If you could get this, if you could estimate with an extremely high amount of accuracy, then uh, guess what? Um, you'd, you'd have Warren Buffett knocking on your door asking, you know, he come in and sit down and talk with you for a while. Yeah, but that's incredibly difficult to do. Um, it's so difficult that Warren Buffett doesn't, doesn't try. He uh, tries to identify things that are happening uh, within a company that he thinks is sustainable. And at some point in the future, you know, he never puts dates on anything. And, but at some point in the future, he should be happy that he made the investment. Why? Because it's gone up. It's increased in value. And he's a value investor. And there are tons of other types of investors out there. The two main categories are value and growth. And uh, um, they're kind of attached at the hip, if you ask me. But uh, uh, right now, there's the... You know, I think valuations are pretty good. I don't think they're extremely overvalued. Uh, I think the larger you go, the more overvalued they start to become. And uh, I was hearing an echo of myself for a second there. I've got about uh, 25 seconds here before. i got to take a real quick commercial break. So I'll just identify myself again. I'm Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, just go to my website, BolingtonCapital.com. If you'd like to see an illustration or set up a phone meeting to talk about the fixed index annuity products, feel free to call me and leave a message, and I will get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. And now we've got to take a real quick commercial break. I've been wandering through the desert Ain't seen a cloud and forever over me But I believe your rain is coming
4: france here for my good friends at g and j waterproofing of cleveland you need to know those letters g and j that's all if the basement is leaking you've got problems and i've got solutions what did i tell you those letters were g and j waterproofing that's it listen only company you're going to need uh if you want to handle your basement problems the right way for the right price and to do it right now and the thing i love most about g and j the warranty. They've got the strongest warranty in the industry, literally twice as long as anybody else's. Now, how can you afford to give a warranty that long? When you know you're not going to have to do a lot of warranty work because you do the job right the first time. That's what they do. G&J has won every service award there is. Both the Better Business Bureau and Angie's List give them A ratings. That's what comes with 15 years of experience treating people and basements the right way. Go onto the website. Log on to gjwaterproofingofcleveland.com and then call this number, 440-687-6079. Get a free in-home inspection, 440-687-6079. Call now. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies
2: And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, you can find out more about me and my firm by going to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. You can call us if you'd like to ask some questions. Uh, number is 330-664-0700. That's 330 And I'd be glad to try to answer anything that I can. Um, there are some questions you just can't know the answers to, like, you know, where's the stock market going to be a couple of years from now? Um, I hope it's higher. <laughs> I have a lot of money invested. And, uh, uh, but you can't guarantee that. And that's, that's the thing. As, as you get older, you, you typically want to get more towards guaranteed income. And as I was talking about uh, earlier, I uh, bought one of the annuities this last year, one of them, and uh, one of my annuities. And at uh, 60 years old, at, by the time I'm 67, that's the full Social Security age, they're going to give me the equivalent of 11.4% on what I invested that's based on what I invested, you know, seven years prior to that. So if I decided that, Hey, I'm going to have to take it out at 65, the income is 9,684. It's less because it hasn't been in as long and it's not building up. So if I waited until I was 70, it would be 14,931. That's a lot. So for... Uh, seven year old, seven years old. Somebody who's been in there for seven years. That, that's pretty good. That's really good. And uh, there's a an, uh, a tool that they have. And if you're interested to see how much you might be able to get on your investments, you can give me a call. I can set up a phone meeting. Uh, I can walk you through that process of, of how that works. And uh, you know, we just take it from there. Uh, it's relatively simple. On the company's website. You can put in your age, uh, the, uh, either the income that you need or just how much you are going to be investing in. It'll tell you how much your, your investments might be able to generate. So that's that's a really good thing uh, for an awful lot of people. And I'll tell you that the guaranteed rates that they have there are extremely competitive. So when I look at People that are looking at the stock market, yeah, you know, if you're in your 40s or even your um, mid-50s, you know, you you should probably be more invested in in stocks than bonds or fixed income like like these types of products. But you start getting up into your upper 50s, you might want to start taking a look at it. Why? Because the S&P 500, which has a tendency to be in the top 10% of all mutual funds or it has been over time, has a tendency to get over or have really rough time period. I'm looking at the year 2000. This is the, uh, actually, in March of 2000, it peaked right around 1,500. By the way, it's 4,890 today. That's up quite a bit, about 220%. But it went down 50% from March of 2000 to March of 2003 it finally gets, just barely above the level that it had gotten in 2000. In 2007, at near the end of the year, so it's almost 2008. Then, over the next 18 months, it drops and goes down further than it did from the year 2000 to the year 2003. So literally, if you had invested in March of 2000, here you are, Almost, well, 10 years later, you are down. Uh, Nine years later, you're down a lot. I mean, it's not a little bit. Let me see what this actually came to. I've got this up on my computer. About 56%. Now, you would have gotten your your dividends over that time period. Uh, And it it probably cut the the decline down by about 25% or so because of the amount of the dividend that it was. But uh, still... You know, if so, if you'd have reinvested everything, you'd still be down a lot, uh, much more than anybody wants to be, and that's the risk with stocks: is that you run up on a period like that where the returns are. It's really rough. You know, nobody likes to talk about it uh, in my industry, uh, and quite frankly, a lot of people just ignore it completely. But the uh, I don't think that's not a smart idea. You start looking at the returns. The returns are only half the picture. The other picture is the uh, how much does it fluctuate, and if it comes up, if if a big drop comes during your retirement that you did not anticipate, you thought you were going to earn a much higher return because the average return has been very good, but you didn't realize that that return was also accompanied by some major drop that took years to recover from. And that's a that's a problem. And that that can be a well, can be a problem. That's one of the reasons I like the, uh, the fixed index product so much is that the the returns that they generate are incredibly difficult to match. And they're gonna guarantee that rate. Okay? Now it's only as good as the insurance company. I mean, let me make that completely clear. So if uh, any insurance company has risk because they're insuring, you know, people's lives, they're doing cars, homes, um, each insurance company is a little bit different. Some of them just specialize in investment products, so, which is still a lot of risk. I mean, think about what I just said, The S&P was <laughs> had a negative return after uh, nine years. You know, nine years, of return was still negative. And uh, even if you had reinvested all the dividend, and that's before you paid any management fees if you did. Okay? So um, it's tough. Now, this this one of the reasons I have a job. I, I thought I would be, I literally thought I would be out of a job when I was new in my career because I thought, wow, you know, you, you can sit down and you can study all this stuff and you can learn all this stuff yourself. And it, it's true, you can. And I know a lot of independent individual investors uh, who handle all their own investments. And that's great. The vast majority of people don't have the time to do that, number one. And number two, those people that are extremely smart look at it and go, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to find somebody that uh, will do that for me and, you know, and keep me informed and keep in touch and uh, keep, help me you know, raise my morale through hard times, because I I promise you, uh, nothing is a better example of life in general than the stock market. If you do all the right things and you give it enough time, things have a tendency to work out fairly well. But it is a bear (laughs) to, to get through some of those times. And doing the right thing oftentimes Costs you money in the short run. What do I mean? Well, you're investing in stocks, right? Right. Why? Because they have long-term returns that are better. Than that right. But you're going to wish you'd never heard about them when they correct, uh, when they drop by a mile, especially if you have all of your money in there. So you need to diversify it. Um, you need to have. And by the way, there is the uh, the next seminar that I do. I'm going to set a date um, this week. I haven't done a seminar since the pandemic, as we haven't been allowed to. So the next seminar I do, I'm going to show you something that I think is really fascinating. I've been doing this for a long time, and there are certain mathematical formulas that funds use to select the stocks that are in them. Almost all of your exchange-traded funds, which have the uh, best... Taxes and the lowest expenses. And when you add those two things together, it is incredible. I see all these returns uh, well, that these guys, that people advertise. This was the return. Well, that's the gross return. Uh, when you start to take off the, uh, the taxes from what you might have to pay, on a, especially a fund that's actively managed, um, you're going to be behind the eight ball. It, it is incredibly difficult to outperform the, the funds that I use. I mean, it's just incredibly difficult, especially if you're going to do it over a, a 5 or a 10 or a 15 or 20-year time period. The vast majority of funds that are active managed they just can't do it. And uh, so anyway, and I would be glad to be able to find somebody that, that can and that has. And uh, it's just very difficult. And the bigger you get it, it, it gets harder. So if a fund is really successful in its early years, uh, it's going to put up some pretty big numbers. Those numbers are going to be incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to maintain because they're managing so much money now. And I know that's that that's a show uh, or a title for a, or a subject for another show. Uh, anyway, the, uh, when you look at what these guys are willing to guarantee on an income level for the average person out there, I just think it's, it's a good option that you should consider, and I think bonds you know, are a good option you th- you should consider. I don't have anybody that doesn't have stocks, bonds, and cash, and for fixed income. Now this has become a uh, uh it's become pretty good, uh, but for fixed income right now, anybody that was we had a guy call in, and I just I feel so bad because I know this guy was investing heavily in this one. Uh, it was a government bond exchange-traded fund, and he talked about it. And he had caught a uh, a move upward when when interest rates were going down, and uh, and I knew it wasn't real sophisticated because he didn't he didn't know why it went up. He just knew that it had gone up. He'd heard that when bond or when uh, interest rates drop, bond prices go up, and so he got this. And he caught it was only the last like third of the movement, this guy that I had talked to, and by the way, I talked to several people during that time period, had the same situation. And my um, uh, my advice was, listen, you need to watch that carefully. First of all, I wouldn't have done it because you're going to have to know uh, when to sell that thing. And if you don't, it could be really dangerous. Well, during that time period, they, they had not topped. They were doing very well, had gone up, and they pulled back like in early 2020, and then went on to make another new high in uh, near the end of 2020. And then it just started dropping. That was the peak. That was the peak. And now they're down now. These are government bonds. Government backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, hey, the credit rating is one issue, the interest rate risk. Is another issue, and that's one that they just don't talk about. They're still not talking about it, and I know why. Uh, It gets a little complicated, but being complicated doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about it. The interest rate risk has driven the prices down on that fund 45%. Let me say that again. Rising interest rates, have, and that's not the worst. It was actually down over 50. It's actually bounced up off of its bottom. But govern- these are government bonds in a fund. That fund is down from its peak about 45%. So the interest rate that you are getting on that, that you're getting now, that's actually less than you could get on a one-year treasury or one-year CDs. The, uh, the interest rate is lower than the interest rate people are getting on short-term bonds and you're missing 45% of your principal. You don't want that to happen to you. So anyway, if you want to know how to avoid that, tune back in next week and we'll talk more about that. Uh, If you'd like to set up an appointment or just have some questions, just go to my website or call me 330-664-0700. I got to run now. I hope you guys all have a good week, good investing, and good luck.